We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Saturday night um, after the Timberwolves Sixers uh, game in Philadelphia. And the Wolves, those of you who watch and pull up the final score here, I probably should have had that, lost 122 to 113. Britt Robson of The Athletic, I convinced to to come join me for some late night uh, Wolves talk here. And, and Britt, I mean, I just feel like the place we got to start uh, talk about this game tonight and just, I think with the Wolves in general recently is just, it's just Carl Anthony Towns yeah. um, playing. He's playing like the player he was at the beginning of last season. He is showing, he is showing to be the player that everyone hoped he could be, yet he's doing it within the context of a team that it almost just feels wasted in. And there's this there's that battle there, right? Where it's it's good to see and it also just simultaneously feels feels a little bit um empty when it's just coming almost has to come in a loss. So I guess that's just my way of teeing you up for for what was an incredible Carl Anthony Towns performance. Yeah, I'm not the slightest bit uh sad about it. Because uh, yeah, I guess I should maybe I should say like because that. you know to be honest with you, uh, at the end of the day, having a really good Timberwolves team is such a rare ingredient that yeah. I don't. It's not an ingredient I put in the mix usually. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I every, in your life mix. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of relative, you know, everything is relative. And what is relative about the Wolves is, um, are there going to be situations, people, combos, coaching, moments, whatever? What things are you uh, saying, 
all right, that's why I like hoops. That's why uh, I'm enjoying this particular player. Uh, this guy is showing me something that he hasn't showed me before, or this guy is creating tendencies that make him a kind of player that I really like and vice versa, you know, and what's, what's the best if you cover the Timberwolves, especially if you've covered them for as long as I have, is when a guy who does things that you haven't liked for a long time, slowly but surely stops doing those things and starts to do things you do like because of maturity or their own force of will or some hard lesson or whatever it is. Um, I, you know, I've ripped, I've ripped cat for a long time now, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've talked about how he needs outside validation all the time. And I've talked about how he lacks self-awareness sometimes. Um, and I've talked about his tendency to dramatize things when he could have just left a moment there because everybody knows the drama inherent in it. Um, and that's begun to change uh, in a way that is a really um, makes me want to tip my hat to him. You know, I mean, uh, nobody can, I mean, I can anyway, I can't say nobody. I can't relate to the level of grief that he's experienced over this COVID stuff. Um, and I, at the beginning of this season, especially that press conference he had about uh, a week before the season, I didn't really know how I was going to cover him. Well, we, we called each other on the phone right after right, that, because right. I think we were both, we texted and we were both very clearly responding to that press conference in the same way, which was, I think we, ultimately we needed I, people to get off it. We needed people yeah. to, you know, I mean, this wasn't the place to cut a vein in my view, right. you know, and, and it, I hate it when everybody's attracted by that rather than just, you know, let, let, let it happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let, let the guy go in peace, let leave him alone. And, and then well, I think a part of that was that we, not that we know Carl, but like, I think it was both of our beliefs that that was the what the best way for Cat to kind of process it was just going to be with some space, right? And and we, I think at least I thought as as he cuts open that vein there, it's like, wow, this is really going to magnetize attention to him, which is you know his prerogative, whatever. But being someone as you just described who who is very conscientious of his perception. It was like, we get off of that press conference. We're like, Oh shit. Like, what is this going to be? Not just from a standpoint of like, how are we going to cover him? But from a standpoint of like, is this, is this the right way to going about it? It all just right. felt right. It all just felt so awkward. And also because, um, it complicates things in a manner that, um, Look, the last thing in the world anybody wants to do is be insensitive yeah. and and um, and uncaring, dispassionate and insensitive at the same time. At the same time, the last thing I want to do is pander to the gawker slowdown mentality of society. 
I hate that shit. And so, right. uh, you know, I, I, I try to um, soldier through that stuff uh, in a manner that indicates that I it's not for me. But six friends or relatives, whatever you want to call it, his mother, all these people, you know, fallen and then he gets it and all this other stuff. I'm trying to figure out at the beginning of the season, how am I going to cover this guy reasonably? Right. How am I going to criticize him? And Ryan Saunders actually said to me, kind of on the down low a little bit, but he said, you know, look, you have to cover this. You you can't have, you can't have hands off. That's not, you know, everybody has to do their job. I've got to do my job. You know, Gerson's got to do his job. Kat's got to do his job. you got to do your job. And, um, and then, you know, I wrote the piece about it. But again, that was just, that actually gave me a, a window into um, not having to be bothered by Kat's dramatizations because, hey, he's going through some stuff. Don't pick a scab just because you don't like that aspect of his personality. What's been great is that I'm not going to say because he went through uh, an undoubtedly life-changing experience and had all this grief visited upon him and through him. <clears throat> but um, I think clearly he said some things at various points during the season that tries to um, indicate that this time he really is different in some ways and the proof is always in the pudding of course and lately i'm glad to see that this is what it's it's lately out lately he yeah. he really is i mean the last few nights i asked him the question last night about hey you know and i tweeted this out the last thing in the world i expected out of this season was for the wolves to rely on carl anthony towns to do the dirty work and he's a, right. he's been a dirty work guy for a while now he's you know he's setting all the tough screens he's battling guys like Valanchunas tonight Embiid I mean he's getting just smashed around he's getting victimized by his old reputation which was that he was a soft complainer um right and so tonight they clearly Embiid clearly tried to get in his head that one play where he's just dribbling he had him beat 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 by a step and Embiid just wrapped him up and gently threw him. <laughs> him down just gently threw him down and from what i understand you know got the wolves bench was going crazy over everybody knew what was happening there it was a it was a mind game and right. so uh cat just gets up you know hits the free throws you know goes back down plays good ball and i'm just thinking to myself bravo this is this is what i was hoping I would see from this guy. I would I would see a guy who was legitimately mentally tough, who didn't have to spell everything out and dot the I's and cross the T's on exactly how um, much he was shouldering or whatever. And well, because he felt he felt the need to do that before, because the winning the winning never has mirrored his production, right? It right. just it it just hasn't. And because Carl is someone who, you know, does care, as, as many of us would if we were sitting in that seat, right. 
care about our perception, you know, I think he's like, well, I've become a great player in my early 20s in the NBA. And yes, the win-loss record there is is terrible, but it's not representative of who I am. Right. So, like, listen to me. I want to, like, I'm going to point at you to this and to that. And, and, you know, and then he does it in sort of veiled ways where he almost victimizes himself or he used to do the whole thing. Whenever he lost, it was all his fault. Right. But that was really his way of pointing out, well, I had 36 and 17 and, and all those sort of things. So it's been this. He wanted people to say that he would say, you know, it's all my fault. And somebody go, Oh no, cat, you know, you did this, you Mm -hmm. did this. And so actually I wrote about this. It was either his second or third season, very early in the season. And I just said, um, I went in the locker room and, uh, he was saying, it's all my fault. I said, how is it your fault? Yeah. You know, remember that. lay it out, you know? And so, uh, and it wasn't nearly, if he really thought it was his fault, he would have had a lot more detail on why it was his fault <laughs> than he did. And then, so I went to Gorgie Jang and I asked him and Gorgie had his usual succinct bit of uh, smackdown for that particular way of going about it. And so, um, but the point is, these are some of the things that Cat is now having to dismantle and is dismantling. I mean, that's the, the, the hard part. But the is, losses are still there. The losses are still there. And that's what he said last night. I mean, it was really some pretty cool comments um, in that he, you know, he, he said the whole thing about, you know, I don't give a shit about statistics or all the other. Yeah, that's fine. But he did say... Um, it, it really is now. I mean, I've done the numbers. Numbers don't matter. It is literally about wins and losses, and we're not winning, and it bothers me. Um, and he didn't say it in the manner of somebody giving a speech. He would said it in the manner of somebody giving an answer. And um, I really find that – I just find it more compelling right now um, I think he's been inspired a little bit by the fact that he sees what he calls his little brothers or whatever, you know, I mean, the rookies that come in, you know, he wanted uh, Okogi to be that guy. Um, I'll tell you, with McDaniels and Edwards, he, I'm sure he sees what both of those guys might be able to be sometime. And he sees himself as a senior role on this team now. And I think that he's finally in a point where he can start to um, take on that role. He's not—he's not in Taj Gibson territory, and he'll never be in like Jimmy Butler territory. The kind of leader he will be is a talkative, compassionate guy who doesn't do a lot of tough love. I don't think, <coughs> but um, but I do think. I just, you know, it's just this is just a long, very roundabout way of saying that he is growing and maturing before our eyes in ways where he, from my perspective, and it's certainly not a godlike perspective, it's everybody's got their view. He had a long way to go. He had a long way to go. In ter- I've, I've always suspected his leadership because it has been so wrapped up in 
self-affirmation. And um, I'm not seeing that as much. In fact, I'm seeing the opposite. I'm seeing him tear down that perception. And uh, it makes me really happy. Uh, and yeah, the losses are there. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? Maybe um, um, if this team... Let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because you, you talked about what he said last night after um, after the loss and before the Sixers game, which, I mean, the line that the line that's going to pop is he's like, you know, the, he said they, you know, if you want to call them empty stats, you can call them empty stats. That doesn't mean shit to me anymore. That's what pops. The thing that I found myself lingering on more is when he said the word is still going to be the word on me. And the only way to beat the narrative, the only way to get rid right. of the narrative is, is to, to win beat the narrative. Right. No, but he, well, yeah, which yeah. I guess those mean the same thing. And so if we do view that to be his primary motivation is to abolish this word that clearly perturbs him, understandably so. Right. He's this empty stats guy. He's not actually as, as good as he is. And to beat that narrative is 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 to win. I I wonder what his plan is to do so, mm. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right? Because I'm and I'm not even just I'm I'm not trying to be the like he wants to get traded conspirator, right? But if it were me and my primary motivation was to win and to get rid of this narrative that just is nails on the chalkboard to me. I would think about where I can win. And and I think he's wise enough, and I would like to think that I was wise enough to consider the current situation I'm in before being like, I just need to get out to go, you know, to go do so. But I guess what I'm just trying to say is if a year from now, 18 months from now, Kat has eventually has has requested a trade and that happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that because it won't even be you know, a failure of cat necessarily. It'll be, he stated what he wanted and what he needed. Right. And, and like, you know, bottom of the line, it's this front top front office, previous front offices. It was their job to understand what cat's flaws are and to still, if he is important to them, right. to still have provided something around him. And, and that hasn't, that hasn't yet be, been provided. And and when you have a game like this tonight where he has 39 on Embiid through the Sixers' number two defense, I mean, it was not an easy 39 whatsoever. You can't sit here, I think, as a, as a Timberwolves fan and go, we could have made this work. You know, th- this, this could be working better. How do we have that player on our team? And for we're, we're tracking towards having the worst record in the NBA. And last season, we also had that player on our team. And we had the second worst record in the NBA. I mean, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. I mean, there's, right. been, there's just some, some massive, massive flaws around here and squandered opportunity in ways very different than Kevin Garnett. But it is kind of similar where you're just like, are, we, are you not just walking the plank right now? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the difference with Garnett is they won 50 games a lot. Um, but what I will say about, um, the, the concept of cat, I I don't know how to put it. Um, 
I lost my thought. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let me let me complete your thought for you here. Oh no, no I know, I, I, just, know. I, I just okay, remember. Okay, go ahead. Um, you have to be careful. You do still have the baggage somewhat around the lead. Yeah, no, it's real. All too. right, so let's say you go, you get traded to a quasi-abusive alpha guy. Yeah. I mean, right. what does that do? You're back at square one to some extent. Maybe you got a ring. Think of Kevin Love. Kevin mm -hmm. Love was putting up pinball numbers here. He was the dude. Um, he was looking to get traded. Uh, but, Winning more than Cat did, too, yeah. by the way. And um, all of a sudden, he becomes like the third guy in the three. He becomes lesser Chris Bosh, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that's what Kevin Love had in mind. I mean, he got, a, <laughs> he got a ring out of it, and he guarded Steph Curry on that final play. Thank God for that. Otherwise, what would Kevin Love have? Kevin Love right. will be, when he retires, he will be known primarily as a guy who stood up for, for better mental health. That's what he will be known for. Not for his rings, not for his pinball numbers. I think that's interesting. And so, um, yeah, you know, there are dangers in going someplace just to get that ring, you know. I mean, Gary Payton and Carl Malone got, they cheapened their careers, you know. Um, it's. It, I think he's trying to, I think he, I don't want it to make it sound like that I believe he's already in his mind right. there. I know. What I, you, I, you I, I was describing it point. as myself. You have a legitimate point, which is that, if your idea is, and it's not wrong, that the way to change the narrative is to beat the narrative. You don't beat the narrative at 12 and 38, you know? Right. Um, and you don't beat the narrative with your guy, Delo as your fellow Max dude. I mean, beware. He might not know, Britt. He might... He might not know like what what the path out is he might not know if he wants to do the kevin exactly. love thing he might not know if he wants to do it he probably doesn't i don't exactly I don't. exactly and then kevin, i think kevin he's love smart enough to know had, he's here kevin love at least had the satisfaction of knowing that david Kahn tried to screw him on his contract and so <laughs> you know i mean he had a very easy way out there um, and rosas has done the opposite exactly exactly on the other hand um Kevin Love was never a good defender. Carl Anthony Towns may be a better defender right now than Kevin Love ever was. Can we can we talk about that? Because well, let's 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 hone in on this game, okay? Here, which is which is a a terrific individual performance right. by by Carl Anthony Towns in the face of Joel Embiid. Like credit where it's due. Cat, you know, Cat was incredible, um, but. Part of me in this game started thinking about you know, he didn't guard Joel Embiid a lot. No, he didn't, and and like and and not not out of like copping out or something. Not he used to not guard Nikola Jokic, right? But that was because that was because Taj Ryan or whoever. Yeah, they said, well, Taj is the better matchup. Let's go do it. No, they like they took Cat off once he got in some foul trouble, or you know, playing him like forty four minutes or something. So you're trying to you're trying to slow him down. But really, what's this is this is a trend. Cat is now, since Chris Finch has been the coach, is defending on the perimeter a ton. And and not just like 
Part of it is he's, they're allowing him to get out on switches and do some more of those defensive flexibility things that you and I have always talked about. Like, hey, let's try that out. You know, he's, he's straight up being treated like a power forward a ton. And, and we have these conversations. I have, with everybody have this conversation of like, all right, this is what the Timberwolves have. They've got the center position checked off. They got the point guard position checked off. And probably with, you know, Ant and Beasley, we're figuring out the guards. And then power forward is this big question. Maybe McDaniels can come in, this 185-pound kid, and then power forward will be considered. So that's how that's the lens we look at it. I don't I think it's time to start considering opening it up to just saying, if you're gonna go out and make your make your big move, your next big move, we always like, oh, we gotta find that, we gotta find that power forward, we gotta find that. Jay Crowder or that that Paul Millsap or whatever. It's always power forward, power forward. Why can't it be a center? Why can't it be a center? If it's the right it, center, right. But that could it might also be the best thing, Britt. I mean, think about it. What what is the number one thing this team needs to massively improve on? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I would well, number one. The number one. Transition defense. Defense. <laughs> defense. Defense period. in general. Okay. Defense in general is the number one thing. What is the very best way in basketball that you can, with one player, massively improve your defense? Get a paint rim protector. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Why, okay. But why are why is it not? I mean, I'm not saying people haven't considered it. Right. But if there was ever a time to say we actually have some evidence that we've been watching lately, tape, film, that you can have your cake with cat playing and eat it too, and have some defense like. Watch these last 15 Timberwolves games. Cap plays like a power forward defensively all the time. And in my estimation, looks better at it than he does at center. So it might be the, it might be the way out. Again, I think a lot of it depends on who you put next to him. You know, sure. one of the things about centers, especially in the modern NBA, is they understand that they need touches too. Otherwise, they're not going to get paid. Um, and you can't have a guy who gets a lot of touches at center on this team. But what, okay, so there's there's different types of centers. You're right. Your point is, you know, you can't bring in a, like a max level Hassan contract Hassan Whiteside. Great well, defender, but somebody who wants the ball a lot more than he should get the ball. Okay, so let's take Hassan Whiteside okay. out. But the, I, uh, uh, I'm saying there's different uh, types. Hassan Whiteside type, though. I mean, the, the, I will tell you, a, a guy who would be perfectly happy doing what he does and is doing it now better than he was doing it before to the point where he may seem less fossilized in the NBA than Stephen Adams is Ennis Cantor, who doesn't play defense very well, but plays defense the way defense is played now in a passable manner and doesn't need a lot of touches. You know what I mean? We're on completely different wavelengths here. You're thinking more like... You do not... No. How about Daniel I'm thinking Tice? about a defender. Ennis Cantor sucks at defense. How about Daniel Tice? Sure, but that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, rather than specific names, I'm saying, what, when we talk about the power forward position, we go, all right, you either go trade for Ben Simmons, which you mortgage everything to get there, I'd, or... I'd do it. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's the that's, one that's guy that you can always talk me into like six picks. Exactly. 
but that when we talk about the power forward position, that's why we say it. we say you mortgage everything for Ben Simmons, or you try and go get your mid-level guy like Jay Crowder, Paul Millsap, Derek Jones Jr., PJ Tucker, those type of guys. Those are the two ways we always talk about the power forward position if they're going to add to it. Well, there you could shift that conversation to the center position, and I would say the mid-level guys are even more attractive the way that market kind of gets depressed. Like, you can get Daniel Tice this offseason for less than the mid-level. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to take that Oh, I don't know about that. If you could, I'll tell you right now. If the Timberwolves... Well, the Wolves don't have the (laughs) mid-level. They don't have the mid-level? Well, they're up there. Who did they get last? Oh, that's right. They're too close. Right, 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 right. I mean, they could use it. They could use it. They would just have to go into luxury tax. But... I would go. I mean, there, there's a tax. way to do it. They could dump Rubio. They could dump Rubio, and then they could go use the mid level. That's kind of the exchange there. I'd be for that. Essentially, you're talking about uh, Rubio for Tice. Come on, I'll do that. <laughs> sure, but but I guess what I'm saying is there's you could lean into it even more. Who's the who's the Ben Simmons at center, right? Right. In this in this power forward sort of thing, and I think I don't know. I just think we just need to start considering that. Well, rather than just being like, oh, we got to trade Malik Beasley for, like, we got to do this. Okay, the, this but, thing doesn't work. Like, it should be part of the conversation. But to That's your point, saying. to your point, you're saying they're playing Cat as a power forward now. So if they're not looking at it the way you're looking at it, what are they doing? I mean, if they're if, sucking, they're no, sucking. No, but what I'm saying is, is because they don't have a center. See, I thought you were a Nas guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they could play some minutes together tonight, notwithstanding, that did not work at all. I am a Nas guy as a backup. Okay. I think Nas is a backup center. But go out, I don't know, like... Nas is a roller coaster, by the way. Man, I've never seen yeah. anybody... Uh, you know, I, I mean, a lot of... I'm actually, almost all the Iowa guys, I think they all overachieve, which means you can't overachieve forever. You know, you're not a... Right. The, the second you become a perpetual overachiever, it just means you're a better player than everybody thought you were, you know, whereas guys who overachieve, what that means is you never expect them to be that good. And then they are, and you go, Oh, and then they kind of fall back into their normal thing. And then they overachieve again, you know, <laughs> whereas if somebody's just good all the time, they're not overachieving anymore. They're See, just, but I'm I'm fine with that on the minimum. Well, I, and, that's and, and not, not like hazard. that. J Mac is like that. Noel, to some extent, is like that. You know, all you're right. All all bargain basement guys. Um, and that's that's fine as long as they do have the capability to swing upward. Yes, like that's that's kind of all you're asking. I actually talked about this all, not all last night, but a lot last night about just the important of the importance of two or three of those guys becoming long term backups on this team. Hmm. for the next two years like it is a major coup for the wolves to have nasri be a playoff caliber backup center if they can do that while he's on the minimum for the next two years that's huge when you're already paying cat 32 million at center now you've locked up all 48 of your center minutes for under 35 million bucks that's awesome Mm -hmm. now jordan mclaughlin is more of a question mark i would say than nas right but if you can do that at the point guard position where you got your other most highest paid player in D'Lo making 30 and you can sign McLaughlin for 2 million bucks this offseason. Now, again, 
you got that position all the way short up for 48 if you think McLaughlin can do it. And same thing goes for, you know, Noel, who's on the same deal as Nas. Like, there's, I just think this roster is at this point where it's going to be so expensive in the top five that you absolutely need to have your bench guys be free. Mm-hmm. So as to so as to make it work. So that that is honestly to me a big. It's really big that Nasrid and Jalen Noel look like capable backups, given how expensive the starters are of this team. But capable backups, I mean, when you say you said playoff caliber backups, and well, I, I will tell you right, right. now, just think the about that for to a second. There. You know, yeah. You're right. You're right. No, what I mean is, if they can be that, that is major. And, 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 you know, as a Nas guy, I'll admit, I think, he, you know, if the Wolves went to the playoffs this year and he had to go, I mean, it would literally be games like tonight against Philadelphia where he pick up, he picked up two fouls in one minute. So did Jared Vanderbilt came in, picked up two fouls in his first minute as well. Like, you're right. It, it, you know, it might not work. I would say Noel would probably be the guy I'd be most confident in right now, being able to be a playoff caliber backup guard. Why does he look so small? I mean, he's just kind of small. He's like six four. Yeah, he's six four. What is, is he? One, three. Isn't he one eighty eight or two hundred? What is it? What is his weight? I mean, he's probably gotten a little bit bigger since he's been here, but yeah, he's probably under under two hundred. I mean, whenever pounds. I see him on the floor, I just think about most of the time whoever he's guarding, and I just say, I think to myself, why isn't that guy just dribbling through him? Right. I mean, I've, and in the playoffs. I think that's really important. You know, you need right. to be able to hold your contain the ball, as Finch would say, um, you know, in the playoffs and not force the uh, chain collision of a mismatch on defense. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you I, see what I'm getting at, though? I, if, I, I if as you, usual, I think Rosas has think, to do it. I think that you always have great theories. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. No, I mean, that's not as much of an insult as it sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that you're thinking in the right way. I just think that it's like anything else. We cover a team and we we cover the team so minutely that our context (laughs) is is polluted. Whether we like it or not, we don't have the context. I mean watch the the three against the six seed in either conference this coming playoffs. No, it's fair. That's and not, fair. and neither one of those teams will, will sniff, you know, the next the final two rounds and they'll have somebody who would just take Jalen Noel and Nas Reed to the cleaners, you know. Um anyway, but I mean but what well, you, you, you you sufficiently stamped all over my theory. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not, I don't think I have because what you're, what the point you're making is. The point I'm making is D'Lo makes way too much money and Cat also makes a ton of money and they're not good enough. And, and you also have a bunch of other bloated salaries in the mix too, where you're at a point where you're a team that can't use the mid-level exception next year without going into the luxury tax, which they're not going to do. So, and, and, and I'm looking for paths out. And I think your, your greater point at least what I consider your greater point is that um, 
you have every team that rises up and grabs something in the playoffs um, has gotten something that people were hoping it was good, but they had no idea it was going to be this good. You know, Devin Booker, um, Murray, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, whatever. Guys you get, like everybody had, a, you know, a half a dozen, a dozen teams had a chance to do this. For some reason, you decided to do it. McDaniels may be that guy. I don't know. I mean, right now he's looking like he'll be that this guy. This guy who can just explode. Yeah, in a way that he may not be one of your two max guys, but you put that with another asset and you might be able to get a better one of your top three because you have that guy and you have another asset and you can go get something good. That's how good teams get to be really good is they begin to accrue some really good decisions. And it is important on one level to have um, uh, the Noel's and Nas's because on a minor level, that's important. But that in poker is the equivalent of two pair. You know, whereas a guy like Donovan Mitchell is, I, that's how you get three of a kind, you know? I mean, you you, you get something, it's, it's, it completes a, a more powerful combination of factors. And I guess the way I'm looking at it more so though, is that there are multiple steps there are. before getting to that level. And and probably this next step of quote-unquote team building for the Wolves, I don't know why I said quote-unquote actual team building. <laughs> well, <laughs> is because they you don't got know it. if they built. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face they, it. They have to, I don't know, the, the term I was obsessed with in, in, the, in the summer when I was talking about trading the pick was stack. Like I said, trade back and stack was, was my, my whole thing. And okay. And, and the Wolves need to just start stacking some good things exactly. in, in, a, in a direction. Because, like, yes, Jalen Noel, whatever. That isn't even if, – if Donovan Mitchell's three of a kind, Jalen Noel is not – Jalen Noel is maybe not even a face card. You yeah. know, like, they're, they're, they, have to start, they have to start overall improving their hand. And I'm just what, – what I'm saying is I look at this roster, and I as, almost as much as I look at the numbers and stuff is I, I, I look at – the financial sheet right. and you go exactly well how the hell how the hell is your way out right you need to you need to change you need to change this because if we're all right that this roster right now that has its core pretty well set in place is the worst team in the league even though yeah a lot of guys have been injured and stuff like you're not just rolling this group out there next year right at full strength and everybody plays all 82 you're not good team's not good it just right. it just isn't like maybe maybe if things go really well you're like a six seed maybe right, that's like right. peak so so that if i'm right there by definition you need to stack some things up over these next few years to elevate your ceiling and right. and see but what's cool about that i and i get exactly what you're saying yeah. and i think you've explained it well and it actually is a common thread that we talk about a lot is you know, you're the, of the two of us, you're the general manager of the group. I don't do general managing, you know, you do it very well. Um, in my view, 
what we're seeing out of cat to bring this full circle a little bit in the last two or three weeks is the equivalent of getting another asset mm. because we're getting right, right. a guy who suddenly is not a liability in terms of um, he's a squirrely guy to be an alpha. We're not getting that guy anymore. Somehow that's been siphoned away some. And we're also getting somebody who seems to have defensive principles and a better sense of what's going on around him, just a, a better vibe for somebody to come to for this team or for young people to grow on on this team. I mean, you look at somebody like, uh, you know, there's a lot of young players that um, they just got thrown into, you know, I mean, Shabazz Muhammad, you know, I mean, <laughs> you get thrown into that kind of situation, you know, you get into you know, a situation where Flip's your coach one year, Sam Mitchell your second year, Tom Thibodeau your third year. I mean, you know, this was like pick them. And meanwhile, he's got, you know, like one or two skills that looked like viable NBA skills, but a huge amount of holes in his game. And, you know, again, he's on a diseased franchise. We, you know, we, we can see it. Um, you look at Sacramento and what people think of Sacramento, people think of the wolves only perhaps worse, you know? And so. With evidence, ammunition. And that's why. I try to celebrate um, the ways in which, uh, what I said at the beginning of this podcast, the ways in which I like hoops are being ratified in front of my eyes by people I cover. That to me is, you know, I'll watch the game anyway because I love the game. And even if the Wolves get killed, it usually means that's because they played a really good opponent who's playing some really good hoops. So, I mean, in fact, one of the nicest things that's happened with this upgrade too, and it always is a good byproduct, is when you start to play well, the good teams need to play better. So they reveal themselves as good teams more, you know. So all of that is to say that um, what I try to celebrate in covering this team is watching the quality of basketball go up in the way I like it to go up. You know, I mean, I have my own peccadillos and, you know, things that uh, I don't like that a lot of other people like. So everybody's got their take on different personnel. But the point being is that there are ways in which this team can be pleasurable to cover if you see things happening within the, f you and I were very, very pleased with what we thought we had for a Pobo at the beginning of the season, you know, and it may still after a rough period there, you know, Edwards and McDaniels are turning out to be uh, not a bad draft. I, I think, you know, Edwards is the number one pick still has, uh, you know, needs a lot of legs to justify number one overall anytime is always fraught. Right. But the point being tonight, we saw a game where the team's signature star 
through a lot of bullshit over the last five or six years is showing yet another tangible sign. He's starting to stack a certain type of attribute together to make it seem like a reliable virtue of his where it once was a vice. And that that's big that can help but improve the outlook and the level of play of guys like Anthony Edwards and um, Jade McDaniels and just maybe D'Angelo Russell, you know, who has been watching all this, you know, for 25 games now, half the season. They played 50. He's missed 25. Um, and maybe he won't come in and rank third to last in defensive rating when he starts to play again. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I'm going to have some more polluted theories for you. but uh, All right, good. But first, we're going to take a quick break. What's up, everybody? Pausing the pod to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts. If you're looking to start a show, I can tell you from my experience that there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level, to get it out there. If you don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discourse, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month. That is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me talk about the Wolves, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. All right, Britt. So what I found myself doing, and I think you were doing the same thing in the middle of tonight's game, is we were watching... When Cat wasn't scoring, Cat was attempting to distribute. Right. And there was, well, there was particularly one possession that probably triggered this in both of us, <laughs> where the Wolves where the Wolves got three wide-open catch-and-shoot threes. They happened to get the offensive rebound on all of them and kick it back out for another open three, and they just missed, missed, missed. And, and I went through, and I was like, this is just insane. This is just insane to me. It's been... It's been two years of the same, not just bad shooting, just terrible shooting around Carl Anthony Towns. And so on NBA.com, I just kind of went through and went like the total threes while Cat's been on the floor, subtracted out his threes. And in the minutes Cat's been on the floor, the other four guys around him have only made 34% of his threes over the past two years. And that's just insanely low. It's just insanely, insanely low. You look at like, there's a couple teams in the league right now or make who make over 40% of their threes as a team. Now that's extremely high, but league average is high 37, I think. I think I hit high or just below 37, right? Like high 37. Oh, is it? Okay. Maybe it's a little it's called 37. Okay. And that that 3% seems negligible. No. But when you consider the difference between 37 and 40 and you you apply that the other way. Right. right. That that's what, what's around cat for these past 2 years in the Gershon Rosas regime. Right is it's insane because Cat gets doubled all the time. He gets doubled all the time. So 
if he can effectively pass out of it, which is a skill set he has really developed over the past two years, is not losing his shit when he's getting doubled and finding a way to pass it, that should lead to money. I mean, whether it be cuts, but certainly it should just be swing, swing for open threes. And and they make thirty four percent of them. Right. Most of the time, wide open, and or a lot of the and time. That, wide and open. that is, by the way, I mean, what's crazy? What is another crazy thing about tonight? Beasley never made the game. He has got back spasms or a ham, no, no, no. hamstring. Hamstring. Right. Yeah. Never made the game was a weird way to put that. <laughs> Rubio and Beasley were out. Yeah. And, as was D'Angelo and Russell. Jalen Noel, who's the other. Yep. Knockdown shooter on the team. Um, I mean, the Wolves really have two knockdown shooters in the backcourt. Noel and Beasley. Not in that order, Beasley and Noel. But, um, mm-hmm. and they weren't around. They played four minutes tonight. And even Feels like so, you're making though, an excuse here. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, I think what I'm saying, though, is that... Um, I just don't think, well, first of all, Malik Beasley is, I think, is is a legit three-point shooter. But Jalen Noel, you know, jury's out, and that's it. I mean, look at Miami. Like, none can't even see the floor because Robinson and Hero are out there, you know? Kendrick Nunn on this team would be venerated, you know? Um, And there's a lot of teams like that. Denver, I mean, Utah. Utah wasn't shooting threes. All of a sudden... They went out and got a, you know, you, yeah. you, you, it's like, you know, you're in Florida, you pick them off the trees, you know, you know, is, is a, is a shooter. You like that one? You know, uh, I don't know. What, what is, what is the cost though of, of Rosa's not supplying that to cat over uh-huh. these two years? Like that's what, that's what I think about. Like to, to some degree, what is being like installed in Cat's mind that the kickout is not that good? That's not that good of an option. I I watch Cat pass out of the post through double teams often, and I go, I wish he would just, I wish he would just try and power through that and try and take a contested hook shot through a double team because I think, I think that probably goes in fifty percent of the time, and an open three probably goes in 33% of the time. And that's about the same. And what, you know? what did Chris Finch say to us just before we got on tonight? Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, in the, in the time he's been in here, he's incapable of not making the right basketball play. Isn't that what he said? He said he something, yeah. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And I think he said it in a manner. He's, he's not yet used to, uh, the combination of Timberwolves' historic ineptitude and Minnesota not, not at all. and Minnesota nice. Um, hey, the guy did a wonderful job. You know, let's pat him on the back and and love him up some. You know, let's get in here. You know, uh, <laughs> he, he had just lost the game and he was not ready to affect Carl Anthony Towns tonight. You know, I mean, he was ready to talk about why they lost and everything. And by the third or fourth straight Carl Anthony Towns question, he began to get the lay of the land as to, you know, what was going on here. <laughs> um, you know, because he hasn't had this, you know. He was winning right. games 
ring in Toronto while we were, and actually, I guess he didn't win the ring in Toronto, but he's been with France. He said nothing that's compared to this. (laughs) This is a special version. Right. He's he's getting the wrinkled brow we like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, so... So does it just work then if you just get the shooters out there around Cat? Like, does this, does this just you put the four Desmond guys around Bain. Desmond Bain had a tough night the other night for Memphis. He started yeah. out like a house on fire. I have no idea. I mean, you're going to go through ups and downs with any three-point shooter. But you could have had Desmond Bain for Balmaro or McDaniels. If you chose Balmaro and Bain, we'd still be ripping the, the probably the draft. If you chose... McDaniels and Bain, I think people would just be dancing, you know. Uh, so I, I think there is nothing wrong, and this is this is something that I've begun to consistently. It grates on me with Rosas, is there are good times to try to hit a home run. Um, but when there is um, a guy on third and one out, just make solid contact, you know, hit the sack fly for God's sake, you know, get the run in. And so when you have a situation where you he's out there, there's a guy out there that would help cat and, um, Instead, you're looking for the guy who can replace Cat when Cat's 31. You know that's not great treatment. That's not that's not necessarily the best way to build a franchise. And if you, I guess I go both ways with it though, because then at the same time, like like if he were he were listening to us talk right now, he goes, "Well, look at the moves I have made. Like I I traded for Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who Malik is a bona fide shooter, and and you know Juancho was." a smaller part of that deal, but his most discernible skill set when traded for was shooting D'Angelo Russell, you know, you know, same thing there. He is a, a knockdown shooter who shoots as shot as high percentage in his career, often in difficult shots. So it, do you, you want, know, me, to, you want been, me to answer Chris and Rosas on this conversation? Cause I got ammo yes, for that. Go ahead. Okay. You're knockdown shooter. Is a $30 million guy has been traded three times in five years. Why is that? And all of a sudden, you moved heaven and earth to him after he gave you the middle finger off a helicopter ride. For what reason? He is your number two guy. He's nobody's number two guy in the NBA. I guarantee you that. You put him on Sacramento, he's not the number two guy. So you're paying him as a number two guy. You're not paying him as a three-point shooter. You're paying him as a cornerstone and you're overpaying him. That's him. All right, what was he? The other guys. Uh, Beasley. Beasley, okay. Malik Beasley, good job. You had an opportunity to get something at a particular point. You doubled down. You went through all the scandal and uh, $16 million a year. Good job. Juancho Hernan Gomez, are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He has not had a defensive rating in his two years here that is below 118. It's insane. It, 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 I, By the way, so Tilo's is not below 118 either. So, right. um, 
But, you know, give me somebody. Desmond Bain spent four <laughs> years. He, he spent, he's just the perfect archetype for what I'm talking yeah. about now. No, I, I don't four know. years at TCU. Four years. He never shot less than 38% in those four years. And volume all the time. He's a big body. He was NBA ready. He could step into a lineup and knock down shots. All right. Gerson Russell's coming back at you here. Okay. Do you know what Josh Okogie shot from three, both of his years at Georgia Tech? Over 38% from three. Uh, And how many attempts per game? That was actually a big decent volume. Oh yeah, like maybe not. It wasn't desperate volume. No, it wasn't desperate volume. Was he? Was did people go? Oh, they got Okogie. Ah, good three point shooter. No. Okay, I'm done being roasted. I'm done being roasted. They got desperate volume. People went. Oh yeah, lights out three point shooter. I in in all seriousness though, part of it to me is there's a there was multiple holes that needed to be plugged, right? One of which was shooting, the other of which was defense and and they're just even when they try and plug those holes as they did maybe over the top with D'Lo and Malik and Wancho um, it still isn't enough because the other you know the other the other holes are are, are okay, so see, big he, here's here's where I'm satisfied though I am okay. satisfied I don't know what Jaden McDaniel's three-point shooting percentage is right now, but I can tell you that Carl Anthony Towns likes finding him in the corner. He likes it. 100%. He likes it. And the reason he likes it is because the guy, when he shoots the ball, is shooting it at the right time. His shot selection is damn near perfect. Proper. Damn near perfect. If I'm Cat, it isn't so much... You need both. You know, you need D'Lo can hit 38%, but you're not sure when D'Lo is going to cut loose with that three and when he isn't. When he's going to mm-hmm. go into his cat and mouse uh, floater game, you know, move in from the three and see if we can fox, fox out a defender. But don't go to the rim. You know, get a floater. Get that guaranteed two. Turn down that three, you know. And so... McDaniels is an efficient scorer and is 20 years old. Um, That's a good draft pick because those aren't even the things he's known for. He's known as being a great defender, which this team needs. It's a priority. Um, Noel, I think, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't want to get into too much. I've decided. <laughs> now that I think about it. But um, I agree with you that he, Rosas, has not done a good job of engendering the confidence Cat needs to continue to do the right yeah. thing if he's going to stay in town. I mean, you can say you're going to do, you know, you, your coach can be saying he's incapable of not making the right basketball play. Well, if that's true, all the more reason why you get antsy after, you know, four or five years in the cellar. Um, so. So what, so what, it, okay. But what is the answer with this shooting? Like 
do because I think you need to prioritize one of two, one or two things. And I know everyone wants to say just get two way players, but they have this roster that is all offensive. Yes, and and has these, and that is a trench shooting holes. Yeah, clearly. And no, I mean that's a I trend guess, NBA wide. I think. Oh, true, true. I, I don't know. I guess. I guess you just kind of have to hope that the players that are coming back are going to provide the shooting around cat and it's going to work and that the work you do as a GM should on the margin should be made around defense. Right. I, I think that it gets back to what I was saying before, which is you grow your virtues, whatever those virtues are, they become more valuable. Um, right. The way that Philly did it to choose a recent example of a team we just saw is they got rid of a really guy, a good guy, good defender, Josh Richardson, um, sure. for Seth Curry. You know, straight up, yeah. They traded defense for outside shooting um, because they have Embiid and Simmons. They have two first-team NBA defenders, perhaps. Certainly Simmons, maybe Embiid. So then the move is with Cat. And D'Lo, if they're your Embiid and Simmons, get defense. Is, <laughs> and is, is is get the Josh Richardson? Is do the inverse of that, right? Which would be trading Malik Beasley. He would be the Seth Curry here in this situation. Beasley for Josh Richardson would be a fascinating deal. Um, I think Beasley. I think Beasley. Okay, because I would put Beasley above Seth Curry as a shooter. Not that as like a obviously Seth Curry makes a higher percentage, but I think Malik Beasley is a more potent overall offensive player than Seth Curry is with his main attribute. You have to spoon feed Seth Curry, right? Yeah. And, and Malik, you kind of do as well, but I think he's also a very special shooter. So I would like to think that you could get more than Josh Richardson if you just tried to repurpose that defensively. But I think the bigger, I I can't see Gerson Rosas doing that. Uh I can't see, I can't see him making a move that intentionally spites offense to prioritize defense. Am I wrong there? I don't know. I mean, it, it... Have we ever seen it? What do you think he thought he had in McDaniels? I don't know. I... This is the one thing that sticks out to me. That I've heard. They did not interview Jaden McDaniels. So they just went with McDonald's All-America guy who's down there at 28th? I mean... I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why did I, – I just think – it's bottom of line, it's a good pick. Yeah. Bottom of line, it's a good pick, obviously. Already. But that's weird. Like, that just kind of – that feels more like a, we just next on our cheat sheet sort of pick than it was a – this is a guy that we've – Identified. Yeah. But and did they, I mean – They traded up to get Balmaro, didn't they? Who did they trade up to get? Well, it's that whole deal was confusing. They were they they came into the draft at seventeen and thirty three, right? And through a sequence of moves, they traded. Ru- they Rubio, traded seventeen for two other picks. Well, they wound up with twenty three and twenty and twenty eight, because and got they got thirty three. Okay, and they got Rubio. Yeah, yeah for James Johnson, right? There. So, so they did. They they moved up from thirty three to twenty eight, and, and then down they moved from back seventeen a to twenty three after that. 
It was okay. I, I, it's, it's, it's like literally I've done the mechanics right. out on a sheet of paper and it would not be good for a podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, um, they juggled things uh, around. They juggled things around and went from 17 and 33 to 23 and 28 while flipping James Johnson for Ricky Rubio. Okay. That's okay. That's what and happened. with 23, they got ball marrow and with 28. They got Jay yeah, McDaniels. Okay. Yeah. And I think it all depends on whether you, you know, you buy the, the hype. I think I still buy the hype on uh, the front office. You know, the, the people around Rosas and Rosas. I think it's the one thing they do. I think they may have known what they were getting with Balmero and McDaniels. And they were hoping one of them would hit. And so far, it looks like one of them at least has. Um, but Can I say something? Yeah. I think I've said this to you before, but not on a podcast. Um, there's a... There's a human element of their hyper-logical front office dealings that is missing. There's some logic there missing. And I think part of it is the fact that there's nobody in that very... That's ever played ball. Uh, exactly. There's no basketball players in that front office. Yeah. Joe Branch played in college. He was a good college basketball uh -huh. player. But nobody, nobody in that front office with a whole diverse set of skill sets has been in the NBA... And has been traded, has been a free agent before, has done all. They've got all the guys who have made the trades. They got the agent who has conducted the trades. And I'm not trying to sit here and be like, you know, you want to get a Charles Barkley in there, you know, the basketball guy. I, I think those guys are all idiots. Get don't Shaq. put them. Get Shaq. Don't put them. Yeah, you don't. The the worst thing that can happen to your your franchise is have some legacy guy vlade divac right. take over as your president of basketball operations i agree that's the worst thing that's the worst thing you can do right but that type of voice right in a front office i think that matters it's the same thing that like i i love i love talking to my friends who play basketball at a higher level than me or coach or, or coach basketball right. currently because right. um you know i fancy myself someone who knows hoops right, right. like um, whether that be film, um, you know, un understanding right, it to, right, right. relative, relative to the group, but I don't under, I don't, I don't understand it the way a, a coach does. And I don't, and I don't understand, I might understand what the action is. I don't know what, I don't understand what it is to call that action. I don't know, understand what it is to execute that action. And, and I think there's, you don't all, you, what's what the thing that I don't know anyway, that I think that you might not know that is so important are all the ways that what looks easy is not easy. Mm -hmm. That's well put. And, and, I, and, I, and, and that only happens when you have to do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you tell somebody else to do it and they do it well, you think, all right, I know what I'm doing. But the mm -hmm. guy who's doing it well really knows what he's doing, you know? And so you do, I'm just agreeing with you, you need a guy there who says, okay, wait a minute now. And this may be unfair. It's 2020 vision, although I was, I have said it. I even wrote it. My editor took it out one time. Um, 
Jared Culver, somebody might say, he's the son of a preacher. He was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas, and he stayed in Lubbock, Texas. You're bringing him up true. here to Minnesota, and he's got all kinds of pressure on him as the number six overall pick on, on a bad franchise. He needs to be somebody who can plug and play right away, and he's a really hard worker. Are we sure we know that this kid can handle this? Um, How does that fit in the locker room? That's what you're saying. That's Or that's what I'm saying. And I think that's where if you have the voice or the ear – Right of of a guy who's been in a locker room that makes a difference exactly, and I would say and I would say some of the same stuff about you know the other moves made, or or how about how about being able to bounce off a player the idea of what they're clearly doing, hey we're gonna kind of like stop giving a fuck about defense and we're gonna try and be the best offense in the league right how do you think how do you think the players are gonna respond to that right right you know because I mean it might not be a bad strategy but that's a you gotta. You gotta let like, you gotta play out the devil's advocate of right, that. Thing. Right, right. I mean, or, or how about hey, you know, we're concerned about Carl Anthony Towns bouncing here, requesting a trade in the next couple of years. Um, we feel like we got to do everything. What do you think, from a player's standpoint, it will look like if we go out and trade for his best friend so as to pander to him a little bit? Right. What is that a smart? Is is that actually the smart? We're thinking that's a smart thing. How do you think that will be received in the locker room? Are we giving are we giving this player too much autonomy? Do you have any experience with the best player on your team getting overly catered to right. or under catered to? Right. I don't I mean no offense to anybody in that in that front office, but I don't think they they, they can answer those questions. Exactly. Like I don't I don't I don't think you can I don't think your previous experience of even being a scout, like Gerson's a scout. Gerson's a basketball head. Like he knows hoops and, and other guys do in that front office too. But there's, there's just these, these things that, that happen over and over. And I go, I'm like, I'm trying to give this front office the benefit of the doubt because I do think I believe in how smart they are. Mm -hmm. And then these holes just come up and, and I think we, we described it last time as a, not a rock at a hard place, a boulder, a boulder, and then a rock at a hard place. Right. And I'm trying to give them the credit of like, oh, how are they going to weave their way out of it? And I'm like, maybe they just put themselves between a boulder and a boulder because they just did it. It's just because they didn't know, you know, what else to do. And I've been a person, you've been a person that's given this front office a ton of credit, you know, a ton of credit. I've been the person when they wave around to Hollis Jefferson, I'm the person on Twitter saying, you know, this is the reason why it creates this sort of cap space in this this time here and luxury tax space. And now if they want to make a PJ Tucker trade, they can blah, 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 do all that. I do that shit all the time. Right. Which in many ways is just taking a sword out, like saying I'm Team Rosas. But you know what would help? Power forward, you know, like basketball. Like, you know, not, not even that Rondé Hollis, he just got signed, whatever. There's just, Did he get signed? Yeah, I got signed by the Blazers yesterday. <laughs> well, we'll, so I don't know. We'll put that I, I to just, bed then. I, I've I've learned something in myself since that D'Angelo Russell Andrew Wiggins trade, and that is to try and look at all of the pieces, even the less attractive ones. And I was wrong about the D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins trade because I didn't pay enough attention to this pick, you know, and. 
And I don't know. I mean, well, see, I, I hope Rosas has success, but I think I might be, if I prove to be wrong about them and be, have been this Rosas stand for two years, or you, you would be in the same boat as me. Sure. This Rosas stand, and we look back, we're, we're sitting here two, three years from now, and we're like, man, remember how much the Rosas regime fizzled, fizzled out and how we were just on board with it the whole time? Like, I'm going to ask myself why. And I think these holes, these boulders, I don't know. There's something there and I um, that is, hasn't been addressed. Right. And that's isn't that great? I mean, I, I really like uh, – I love those kinds of lessons, you know? I would just like to learn them in the midst of me being wrong rather than <laughs> six months after me being wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but – that's a challenge. Look, there was a time when um, when I was a teenager, this country... You call me a teenager now? No. When I was a teenager, <laughs> this country thought it had never lost a war, okay? And they went into Vietnam. I had no experience whatsoever with all those other wars. But I knew as a teenager perhaps influenced by the fact that I may have to go fight in that war and by the cultural moment of the anti-war movement. But I thought, this is absolute bullshit, you know? So that I was so right about Vietnam that I became reflexively anti-war about everything, you know? Um, and when Bill Clinton wanted to go into Bosnia or Herzegovina and the Serbs and the Bosnian, all the people in the former Yugoslavia are just basically slaughtering each other. And some more powerfully are slaughtering others. And Clinton wanted to go to this measured thing and everything. And it was actually a very, very smart intervention. Um, and it was one of the first lessons for me where I didn't want to admit that, you know, there may be a way, you know, I mean, I'm still very, very much anti-imperialist going out there or drones, however you want to slice it. But what I learned is when you are proven right, you also are in the process of setting yourself up to be proven wrong down the road right. and when you're being proven wrong about something it gives you wisdom to be a little closer to being right next time because you remove a blind spot being right is also and i might argue in addition to um you know not having um a basketball player in there i think gerson rosas had built up an impressive enough track record that he really did think he didn't think it was going to be easy, but he thought it was going to be pretty immediately doable. I think he getting his hat handed to him a couple of times in the last few months is going to change the way he looks at things. Well, maybe that's the, that's the thing is it's, that's the beauty of believing life, in roses. If you, if you're yeah. a smart person, you just got, but don't be reflexive. But don't be reflexive. Right. If you're and, and I, you know, I really do. Th I mean, what you just said before is 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 a superb way to say it. it's precisely why I think you're a smart guy and that you will 
be able to, as you move forward, better assess this stuff. If you're saying, okay, I'm proven wrong. I don't want to be proven wrong six months later after I should have been saying this. You're thinking about it already, are you? How am I, how is this shading what I think about this? And the first part of it, of course, that everybody should learn is that if you're wrong, admit you're wrong. It's, it, right. it's not admitting you're wrong when you're wrong. First of all, it's just announcing to the world that you're fucking stupid, you know, which is never a good position to be in, I don't think, unless you're looking for sympathy. And so, uh, you know, it just admit you're wrong and, and then figure out, okay, why was I wrong and move from there. How about, uh, how about one of my wrongs from this year just really shining like shit tonight with Josh Akogi oh, guarding Tobias forward. Harris at power forward? <laughs> I still see. I've I've hung on to that a lot longer than you have. He had no options tonight. I, he could yeah. have gone to Wancho and he could have gone to Vanderbilt. <laughs> Vanderbilt, well, he did go to two two. He started a Kogi. Yeah. He started a Kogi. Yeah, and I actually it. He liked the idea of Okogi on and McDaniel's on the floor. I think he just liked the idea now that he finally understands. It took him a while to come around, we're talking about Finch, of course, coming around to the idea that Jade McDaniels really was a good defender. It took him, I thought, a surprisingly long amount of time. But then I... I honestly think, Britt, I don't... I don't think he paid much mind to anything that happened before he got here. Yeah. I think he, he familiarized himself. Eyes, right. For real. Like, right. I think he was like, I'm going to watch these guys and practice when I can get around them. And as I start coaching them and going off of that, like maybe I'll rip through some of their clips on synergy or second spectrum or whatever. When I got a free moment, I'll look at what their numbers have been, but I don't think like, I don't think he, I don't think Chris Finch gave two shits what any of the guys did in the first 34 games before he became the head coach. And for, for, for a lot of reasons, you know, that fresh set of eyes, you know, has opened up, you know, some things kind of clicking into place. Well, I think one of them that became a blind spot was <laughs> those of us who watched those 34 games. We were like, yo, no, like Jane McDaniels is probably the best defender on this team or certainly in the top two. And right. Like, don't you think, I, I don't know that that's, yeah. And that's what I think. Well, happened. one of the things that I am firmly convinced of is that you can tell how much, Somebody watches the Wolves by what they think of McDaniels. <laughs> Seriously, right. because if you just look at the stat sheet or if you look at like random, you know, I mean, there are some teams like everybody, some teams I know a lot better than others, you know. Um, yeah. uh, I have a Suns seen, guy. I love the Suns, man. <laughs> Whew. You do. Why wouldn't you, you know? Uh, we, we, I, we're not talking about the <laughs> It's not fair for you to have your pet team be a good team. Well, you know, most of the time, that, that's why I like them. I mean, uh, listen, the team I cover has not been a good team. Once the Wolves <laughs> are a good team, maybe my pet team will be a bad team. <laughs> no, I'm masochistic, so that's why. Well, you know, I... I I like eight seats. You like you like I think the I, Hornets. I, you like the Hornets. Yeah, I like the Thunder last year. Those are my except I've I've gotten off I've gotten off the Hornets a bit. Because of um, they're winning without Lamello, Lamello and it's starting to bug you. 
No, 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 no. I just stopped what stopped watching them because Lamelo was I stopped prioritizing watching them. But as somebody who did watch them, I knew that what was making the Hornets good was also Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Right. Like if you watch them play, right, right. it was them and and PJ Washington was a good and, glue. And but you know and they have a good coach. The team, my team, I've watched them in the past three weeks, four weeks. I've watched the most stuff is the Knicks. <laughs> it's just like what happens to me is I kind of like you know, you kind of cycle through this. What? Well, I watched the team's previous game, right. or the the Wolves' right. next opponent's previous game, and sometimes like if it catches me, catches me in the right mix, I'll I'll get like two teams twice in a week, right. and I'm like, ah, oh, I liked the I liked the the Knicks in those two, and then I'll exactly. I'll so I'm on I'm on a Knicks kick right now, because I fucking love Tosh. I love Tosh. He's, he does he does what he did in that in that Wolves game. He does it every game. Wasn't that great? He does it every game yeah. that I watch the Knicks play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and we just went in a different direction. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, and and Tibbs Tibbs might be coach of the year. Yeah. Man, wouldn't that be a kick well, in the teeth, huh? I haven't even thought about what who else would be up there for it. Uh, I guess it's probably him. Well, I mean, you know, it all depends on. Uh, you got to think Quinn Snyder, right? I was going to say, or yeah. Monty Williams. A lot, of, a lot of sentimental value there. Mm, sure. So watch Tibbs get second in Coach of the Year voting. Dario Saric gets second in Sixth Man of the Year voting. What other ways can we burn ourselves? Not Wiggins. He's lit the fuse on himself. What a shock! Another wolf. What a shock! Man, I was just, I was. I was, I very rarely am able to plan for Schadenfreude, but I was planning <laughs> on it. I was just, I watched the way people were raving about Wiggins. And I, I almost got to the point where I was starting to remember bylines, you know, people I'd never read before who were coming up with right. these cockamamie, you know, Wiggins has become a defensive specialist. Yeah, <laughs> sure he has. Anyway, I, I can't stand that team. Golden <laughs> State. Yeah, I just I think, and they're like not that I always watch the national TV games, but they're just, they're just so always in your eye. Yeah, and have been for these past two years, and they've sucked for two years. Yeah, well, they, I mean, obviously last year they had the worst record, but they're like, they're not. They have recognizable. Like, what, what about names. them is fun? Yeah, yeah. Steph Curry but, when he outside plays. of Steph, what what is like. I could go through pretty much every team in the league and I could tell you like two or three things I like on them. And, and one of them would be like right. the third center or something random. But right. I, I can't tell you, I don't like anything on the Warriors team. Well, like I Steph mean, and Jordan Poole, maybe he's kind of I, interesting. I actually like Wiseman, even though he does not uh, contribute to winning there. I think he's got some, he's got some uh, talent. Kyle Tige has been, has been texting me every time the Warriors just get destroyed just just to he's 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 defends ant and oh, oh. and all that just just because wiseman sucking is good for the wolves right oh i see yeah wiseman yeah, sucking right. is good for the wolves yeah, I, and he is i mean right wiseman is sucking yeah i mean his his co- contribution to the team is not very good you could argue that edwards sucked the first two months of the season if you look at it that way though I think Wiseman well, has some skills that will translate for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I I think I'm I'm ready to get off the idea that he could be the best player in this class, though. Wiseman? And if we would have... Yeah. I agree and, with and, that. I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if we would have talked a month ago, I would have still said, oh, he's got like a percent chance of that. Yeah. And now and now it's yeah. Ant in the middle. That's it. Well, I mean, I don't know about that either. I think you need a little time. Who? I don't Who know. Who is it? I mean... Halliburton? Could be. I don't see enough of the Kings. There's one team I don't look at very much. Um... But I mean, I, I hear you know I too busy watching good teams. Yeah, I am. I I, I think that um, well, there's also there's some good teams. I don't like Dallas this year. You know why? I don't like Luca anymore, and um, I like everything else though. Well, I love Chris Stapps. I, I love Chris Stapps. He's like a praying mantis, you know. I, I just love the way he moves around the court. He's like a Kleba. Yeah, Kleber. cool. Kleber's cool. Jalen Brunson. I would, If the Wolves could get Jalen Brunson to be their backup point guard of the future, that would be ideal. I, I've, I have proposed deals that would bring Jalen Brunson to the Wolves. And, uh, and, and don't Desmond forget Finney, Finney Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith, also very good. I, know, I, if, Britt, if you were if you were the GM of the Wolves, I would be very confident that they would make the playoffs and, that's and never all. win a game and never win a game in the playoffs. That's what I think. Entirely <laughs> oh, possible. All right, uh, I, I I told you I was. This is we're it's Saturday night. I'm not going to take up as much of your time as usual. Okay. What do we got? What do we got coming up ahead for the Wolves? We got the we got the Kings. Your favorite on team. Monday night, on on Monday night, um, and then, and then what are we getting? D'Lo probably. Well, probably D'Lo might play a Timberwolves game before the next time we talk. And I will be at Target Center a week from tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Against the Bulls. Yep, Sunday night. So yeah, so we go Kings on Monday, Pacers on Wednesday. Maybe that's D'Lo's return, or maybe. Would you think that they they bring D'Lo back for? A home game? Does that make sense? I don't know. I, I If I were them, I'd bring D'Lo back to knock the rust off on the road and then bring him back. I guess the, his game he came back was against the Raptors last year, right? When do they... That was the one is, cat D'Lo game. Is Monday when the paying crowd happens? The what? When they pain? get people in the audience, paying crowd. In other words, oh, guys... No, I think it's your game. It's the Bulls game. I think that's is the that first the first one with crowd? Oh wow, interesting. Maybe not, or maybe it's the Kings. I don't. Well, I don't. in any case, I think that um, uh, I think they could beat the Kings. I think they could beat the Bulls. The Bull- Pacers and Celtics are the other two, both on the road. You know, there's a team, the Celtics. Why? You know, is Brad Stevens' job in jeopardy? Easy skip Bayless over there. No, is that what Skip Bayless says? Don't don't tell me it is. Oh, you just that's just oh, no, it's just a it's just a that's like a that would show up on the Chiron. How do you call that on like oh, yeah, the, the yeah. bottom line? Yeah. Is Brad Stevens the right coach for the Celtics? No, they're having a bad no. year. They're having a bad year. He's having a it bad happens. year. How so? How are we talking about this? Okay, go ahead. Jalen Brown. Is having a fabulous season. Jay, uh, 
they have that's it no that's it that's it jason tatum is plateauing which at a high level at a very problem with that team the problem with that team is they messed up everything on the margins you went out and used your full mid-level for two years on tristan thompson you decided oh we have you got a really good rookie as a backup point guard peyton pritchard yeah, but what they they ended up That's a margin. having Kemba being more more hurt, and they gave Jeff Teague a bunch of minutes. Yeah, until they dumped him to Orlando. I think they. I think a big part of Boston messing it up is they kind of like the Wolves, right? It's like you can have your your top pieces can all be playing well. It you got to have your other surrounding guys be solid too. Your Nas Reeds and your Jalen Noels and your Jordan McLaughlin's the. I think the, the Celtics Williams, are bad there. The Williams guys, I think Robert has played better. I like him. I like him. So what I am asking, though, look at the roster, look at the record, and tell me whose fault it is. I think you got to go to Brad Stevens, boy wonder, coaching genius. You know, I mean, the guy certainly sucked up all the ink when he was – the team was doing well. It's not his fault. And he was – he, he was the king of that. the he was the king of after timeouts. He didn't ask for it, but he didn't. I mean, that's the way the world works. If if you're um, getting all the credit because you're the mastermind coach, then going into the season, you look at the roster and you go, "Okay, we got Brad Stevens as a coach. This is what we'll do." And then you look at the players, and they're not having bad years. Well, Kemba is having a bad year. Um, and I would argue poor Marcus Smart is having – I mean, both those guys are dinged up, but they're not playing the way they usually do. But but you get I'm a just saying I'd fire Ainge. Jay. I'd fire Ainge before I fire Stevens. Uh, you're never going to get to fire Ainge. I think Ainge, Ainge and Stevens would both land on their feet in a, before they hit the ground. You know, they yeah. would, they Ainge would, would land Daryl Morey style. Yeah backflip out of there and all of a sudden be on a contender in the other conference the exactly. next season. All right. So, so it is, you said, Oh, and four last week. And I was, I, I said they had a 50, 50 chance of one and three though, too. Didn't I? Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> Always you did. leave it out. So we got, we got Kings Pacers, Kings at home, Pacers on the road, Celtics on the road and Bulls at home. Two and what two. What do you think? True. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that too. Right at the point where those two wins might start pushing them ahead of uh, the Rockets, doesn't matter. Magic, doesn't matter. And the Gold well, clearly. I, I think I they clearly don't care. They're clearly trying to win. Yeah. Like at Finch no, said as much the tonight. Players are trying to win. That the was, players are trying to win. Yeah. In fact, let's let's close on a good note. The Memphis game was it. You know, the score, the fourth quarter collapse and everything, that that was too bad. Mm-hmm. They ran out of gas. The way Ant opened up that Ant that, played well. That first quarter, mm-hmm. put that in a time capsule and whole, show it to him. The whole first half, Ant was awesome. He had 14 and 6. I think it was on nine shots. Eight of them were from two. One of them was from three. I mean, Ant's kryptonite is so clear right now. God, okay. Can't, I, can't, I can't end this podcast to save my life. But... <laughs> I mean, it, and if you wall him up at the rim right. with Embiid, multiple, I mean, one real rim defender plus right. show him another body. Right. I mean, he's like, oh, I got to go downhill, but Embiid's there, you know, 
and here comes Simmons and or Harrison coming from the side. I mean, if I'm going against the Wolves right now, I'm planting bodies at the at the rim and in the lane, you know, to get in Ant's way because it frustrates him. Right. I think he knows he's good at going downhill. I don't think, at least yet, I don't think he likes that contact and that beating he takes. I thought he was a football guy. Well, yeah, a lot of people did. But he was great. He really was great. He was great. And McDaniels was great. And and Cat was great. That's, you know, if if you're only trying to be a fair weather Wolves fan or you're not trying to dig A to Z, be A to C. I'll tell you, look mm-hmm. at Cat, Edwards, and McDaniels on a nightly basis because that's what the that's what the franchise is about. Now maybe Beasley fits into there and maybe Delo fits into there. But since you gotta you gotta give Delo the time. Go go to D. When Delo's back and and, and, and Beasley, if Beasley, you know, gives us something, Beasley's given us one good game since he came back. I mean, if they don't trade Beasley, he's he's a six man. And if he doesn't want to do that, he has to be traded. It's kind of that simple. Or if you want to improve the roster at power forward or in Dane's idea center. You got to trade Malik Beasley. It's kind of that simple, right? There's no other way. Oh, well, there's always right. another way, but um... I, I'm not sure. I'm not not with this current roster. To make a meaningful change at the at the in the starting lineup, the only way to do but it team, is to trade teams, Malik Beasley. Teams pull shit out of the air. Kristen Wood, you know, I mean. There are guys like that. We may be having one with the McDaniels now. There may be another one out there. I'm saying in a trade. I'm saying in a trade. Fair enough. The path to trading for a good player this summer. And and I wanna I wanna incept my center idea. It's time. It's time. Shift cat to the four. Let's at least see it. Why can't the backup center? Why can't why can't he play next to Nerland Snowell? Can we just see what that looks like? For a minute, I don't know. Right. Are you going to write this week? Uh, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> Is, am I right to say it's going to be on cat? No, I think that's going to be what? No, it, uh, I actually, John and I have talked about cat in exactly these terms for over a month, and we were coming to the same conclusion separately and um john is one of those guys if john has a story idea that he wants i don't mind giving it to him because john goes to bat for me on you know getting shit all the time so um it mine would be different than his but he in this particular instance He's a he's a good guy to write the story. I'll probably yeah. I'll probably write a McDaniel story. He's been fun, man. He's been fun. My my one stat that I'm cheering for this year to happen is if you look at just raw plus minus on the team this season. I know. It's you got a couple guys well over minus two hundred. Nas and Dilo would be Nas. over six hundred if he kept playing now. Well, Dilo, <laughs> I think Dilo's number is one ninety seven. Exactly. I, I, minus one ninety seven. Exactly. I think that's right. Maybe it's one forty seven or one sixty seven. Right. I was looking at this today, but I want McDaniel's to get positive. I want him to get positive by season's end. He came into tonight minus thirty two, 
and I, I would assume he was positive. Not by his much. Minutes tonight. Not by much. Not by much. But but that's but that's the what I want. They I want need to a come blowout. Out. They haven't had blowouts. He does it without blowouts, man. No, no. What I'm talking about though blowouts. is you know you win by 25, he'll be plus 30. That's how you do it. Yeah, that's how what's happening. He does it. I know. He does it like his game. He does it meticulously right. and sneakily without changing his face. <laughs> All right, that's Britt Robson. I'm Dane Moore. <laughs> um, Check out what John and Brett have going on at The Athletic. John has written, actually, a few terrific um, pieces there in, in the past few days or this, this past week. Um, and uh, we'll be hearing from you soon, Brett, I'm sure. Yep. And I will be back um, Monday night after the Kings game. Until then, he's Brett. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.